Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right. Uh, once again, good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining Cindy and I this morning here on the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and we're very, very excited. We've got a great show this morning, um, but first, let me bring Cindy on. Cindy, good morning. Good morning, Ted. What's up? You know, another beautiful sunny day, um, and I hate the fact that I'm stuck inside. Uh, I've been go- I've been going for walks well, and bike walk rides. Well, walk outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I will. I will after the show. Ted, stop but, whining. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not complaining. Listen, it could be worse. But um, what about yourself? How are things up in Buffalo? You know what? It's beautiful out. I went for a walk already. The sun is out. It's probably only 45 degrees, so it's a little chilly. Wow. But I have to tell you, I've been, um, in my hibernation, I've been grateful that I could be trapped like a rat with no cheese. And Alan and I have just launched our new community. So if you want to go to um, – a free golf community where you're going to get golf tips and talk and all that crap, go to millergolfcommunity.com. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I think I saw that on uh, on social media. Congratulations on that. I know you guys will, as you do with everything else, you will do a fantastic job. All right, we've got a great show this morning, Cindy. Um, first up, we're going to be joined by a very special guest, Christina Kim. Let me just uh, let the folks know a little bit about her and uh, for those that don't know her, and uh, and then we'll bring her on. Uh, Christina, of course, started playing golf around the age of 11, uh, credits her father and coach, Man Kim, and also her mother as the individuals that most influenced her career. Uh, some of her other hobbies include uh, yoga, reading and writing, uh, and also studying history. She qualified uh, initially for the LPJ Tour by finishing second on the 2002 Futures Tour uh, way back when, uh, season-ending money list, and some of her victories are the 2004 Long, uh, Long's Drugs Challenge, uh, 2000. She won the Mitchell uh, Company Tournament of Champions and in 2014, the Lorena Ochoa uh, Invitational. So, um, Cindy, let's welcome our special guest, Christina Kim. Good morning. Hi, guys. How you doing? Doing very well. <laughs> so, I'm going to start this there. off. I, mm-hmm. uh, 15 years ago, I finished playing, and uh, well, the the show finished airing, Big Break Three Ladies Only, and I was down in Corning, and I was, I think I was like first or second or alternate or third alternate or twelfth or whatever. I was an alternate trying to get into the tournament, and the only reason I did the Big Break was because I wanted to win a tournament on the Legends Tour. So, long story short, there was a pro am on Monday, and I'm sitting upstairs. And it was pouring rain. It was really crappy. And it was like, okay, this is probably going to get canceled. And this girl walks in, who I know immediately who she is, and she runs over and she goes, Cindy Miller! And I'm like, holy crap, Christina Kim knows who I am? And so I was so, that I tell that story all the time. I'm like, and I normally swear a lot, so I have to watch my mouth. But, um, so thank you for doing this. I am thrilled. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Cindy. Yes, I actually I do remember I do remember that day. It was a uh, it was a bit wet to say the least outside, but I just remember I was like, holy cow! I can't believe the big break. Cindy Miller is on <laughs> the golf course right now and is at the golf course here in Corning, New York. It was just it was such such a cool cool thing for me to see. Um, you know, it's like it's not very often I get I, at that point that I would get a chance to meet people that I would 
you know, pretty religiously watch week in, week out. And so the fact that I was able to get up there and meet you and then, you know, I remember we had spoken a few more times, oftentimes at the, uh, the what was back then, the, L, the Wegmans LPGA Championship or just the McDonald's LPGA Championship. We, I think we had a couple of good talks when we were over at Bully Rock over the years. Um, you know, it was just it was just always a thrill for me to be able to, to come up and see you and, um, you know, been a big fan of yours for a very, very long time. So thank you so much for having me. Well, ditto. It's called the Mutual Admiration Society, which is why I reached out to you because I watch you on social media and I'm like, she. I, what made me reach out was you said, I just went for a seven-mile run. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? What, are you crazy? And so I thought, Jesus, I don't even know if I could go for a seven-mile walk. But So tell us what you're up to because clearly you're on a mission. Um, well, you know, I've been uh, in the last like eight months or so, I started doing the ketogenic lifestyle. I personally don't like the word diet because it has so many negative connotations to it. But I um, started doing the keto lifestyle, have been, you know, enjoying a huge amount of mental clarity, um, a happy byproduct. Because the only reason why I started this was just to get the shackles of sugar off of my wrist, because I used to be a legitimate sugar monster. And I told myself, you know, I was like, I would, I'd always fluctuated with my weight. I had gained, I had lost, I had gained, I had lost. And I had, um, at that point, probably been the heaviest I'd ever been. And I was just like, you know what, I'm just, I'm done with sugar. If nothing more, if I end up dying because it turns out my body is so accustomed to eating sugar that I cannot physically take life without it, then that's it. And so I, um, you know, went into this just, you know, with honestly without the intent of losing weight because I, I have a couple of friends like Julieta Granada who's always been small, you know, she's, she's not, she's never been a big girl, was telling me how she had done the ketogenic diet of, I have some very, very close personal friends of mine and family that have tried it as well. And I was like, you know what? Everyone seems really happy on it. I, I'm just, I, you know, was at a point in my season last year where I was really struggling emotionally, mentally, as well as physically. And I said, you know what? If I end up ODing because I ate too many damn avocados, like, I've had a good run. It's all good. And so, so, so tell that. me what it. Tell me what it is, because I don't, I, I need to do that. I need to look in the mirror and do something about, I love, freaking love sugar. So tell me what you can eat and what you can't eat. Okay, well, the ketogenic diet was founded, oh, gosh, it was either in the 20s, the 1920s, or the 1940s. I, I can't remember which one off the top of my head. And it was basically a diet that is greatly reduced carbs. So it's maybe in, in certain ways very similar to the Atkins diet but it actually has a large increase in the kinds of and amounts of fat that you consume. So your diet is primarily consumed, uh, comprised of fats, then a nominal amount of protein, and lastly is very, very scarce amount of carbs. And by carbs, I mean sugars, I mean bread, I mean potatoes, I mean pretty much anything you know, that's got sugar in it. So very limited in fruits, um, you know, so it's like you're eating a lot of like olive oil, avocados, uh, you know, like good whole milk cheeses. Um, you can, you know, you can have butter. Um, meats are, are, are good are good as long as you're, you know, able to ra- uh, ratio out the, the macros that you're consuming. Vegetables up the wazoo. Obviously, certain vegetables are better than others for this uh, lifestyle. Like for me, I used to always tell myself, oh, God, I love mashed potatoes. Like, mashed potatoes are my jam. And now I'm like, no, you're crazy. The reality was that you like the sugar, or not the sugar, you like the salt, you like the cream, you like the butter. So now I just cut the middleman out. And um, so, and lots of nuts, you know, like I love macadamia nuts, pecans. Uh, this new thing I've come across is just called a pili nut, which is a nut that's derived from the Philippines. And it's like one of the most perfect, complete, like, ketogenic macro ratioed nut in the uh, in the world that was discovered a few years back. Um, and What's the so name of by it? reduced Pili. So P as in Paul, I, L as in Lima, I. So Paul Indigo, okay. Lima Indigo. Um, and they're they're just like these wonderfully creamy, delightful nuts. Um, but that being said, like I just kind of told myself, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give this a try. Like, what's the worst that happens? Worst that happens is I die. Okay, fine. What's the best that happens? I can be happy again. I can have that mentality. And um, I dropped, uh, it was something like 17 pounds in the first three weeks or something like that. And now no. I'm down. 
Yeah, I, I mean, because to be fair, a lot of it is water weight. And so you have to also supplement yourself mm-hmm. in making sure you're consuming enough sodium because as the water weight drops, it strips you of a lot of your nutrients. You have to, in, you have to for a period of time, be very aware of your sodium intake. You have to, um, like I take magnesium, like uh, slow mag, I take that twice a day. Just make sure I'm getting the uh, right, right amount of magnesium in my system. And, um, you know, because like I, one thing that they call, it's called the quote-unquote keto flu, which is you can, you know, as your body, because you're basically detoxing yourself and you're going through withdrawals mm-hmm. from your addiction to sugar and carbohydrates. And so I was very lucky because I actually started doing this before I, uh, had, right after I had a long stretch of tournaments in the summer, and then right before I started uh, the, the European swing that I was going to last year. And so I spent four days, no joke, in bed. I basically just drank water, would have a fistful of nuts every now and again, and I would sleep for like 17 hours. Like I was just physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted, like I had said earlier. And so I said, you know what, this is, I'm just, what's, you know, I, I'm, I'm so tired in every sense of the word. Wow. I got to I got to mm. And again, you know, I, I don't have any kids. I don't have any, uh, I don't have a husband. I'm, um, you know, just, I've, I've got a boyfriend who's very supportive, but like, you know, I, I was basically just a log for four days and I came out of that. And I think through that period of time, I was able to, bypass the period where I would have experienced that keto flu. So, you know, I've been very, very fortunate where I haven't had to deal with it because I have a couple of other friends that have tried it and they said they couldn't get over the keto flu, so they stopped doing it. And I, I, I could not imagine how bad it is. Um, so, you know, I just, I don't wow. know. I was just very, very, very lucky. Very lucky in that sense. Um, and so now, so, I mean, eight months later, I'm still living by it, and I'm almost 60 pounds down. And it's a happy byproduct. I was just, you know, I always tell people I had the shallow house syndrome where I would look in the mirror and I would see what, what the person was like inside. And I would say, you have a good heart, you care about people, um, you know, you legitimately ask how people are doing because you want to know because if, generally if you're asking how someone's doing, you can tell something's not quite right. And so now I look in the mirror and I say, you're still a good person, you've still got a good heart, you still care about people, and when you ask how they're doing, you genuinely ask because you care. Wow. So this might be a good time for people to start this because of being trapped like rats, kind of. It can. I mean, I, you know, I think I've been, uh, in many regards, I've been very, very, very fortunate because here in Florida, um, you know, whether it's the right thing to do or not, we have not closed down every single golf course in the state. I know certain counties have closed down courses for a period of time. Uh, I, at the beginning of the month, I think they opened up the majority of golf courses in the state. My golf course uh, had taken some very, very strict precautions in terms of how to go about playing and maintaining good hygiene, maintaining social distancing. And so we had stayed open for the entirety of this time. We recently reopened our practice facilities just so that we wouldn't have too many people congregating and things like that. And, um, you know, I've, so I've been very fortunate in that I've had the opportunity and I've had the good fortune of being able to play golf during this time. So I've been able to get my brain away from, you know, the, the periods of time where you're like, I am stuck. I have nothing to do. I have nowhere to go, this, that, whatever. And, you know, as, as, as much as people like to believe, I'm sure there are times when it's, just shy of too hard to bear. And so, you know, I just came back from a three-day hibernation myself, uh, just kick-started myself back into ketosis. And also I'd been spending every single day simultaneously thinking, this is, I'm going to get a phone call saying we're teeing it up next week. And at the same time, I'm going to get a phone call from my golf course saying we're closing tomorrow. So pretend like this is the last day of golf you're ever going to be able to play. And so now that I have an idea of when our season is going to start, which is going to be mid-July, I've been able to take a three-day break, relax a little bit, just stay in bed, catch up on the YouTubes, catch up on the Twitters, and uh, just sort of refresh myself. And um, now I'm back out. Just got a little bit of putting done this morning before I came on to talk with you guys. And, um, you know, but again, I've been very fortunate. But, you know, you can do whatever you want. You know, that I look at this as a huge opportunity. I'm using this opportunity to take half a stroke off my score. If you want to take this opportunity Absolutely. to – like learn a new language. I'm doing. I'm re, I'm brushing up on my Korean on Duolingo. If you want to 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also restarting calligraphy, something that I was very passionate about when I was younger, and it just kind of fell away, partly because of technology. We don't even need to write anymore, let alone write legibly. Um, you know, I've got canvases I'm painting on. You know, there's so many different ways and opportunities that we can give ourselves to really, you know, not even better ourselves, but to just challenge ourselves without having to leave the house. You know, there's so many things. We're never going to be given this opportunity again if all goes as planned that we can take this opportunity and instead of being down on ourselves, think of it as a wonderful chance to really regather and regroup your thoughts and emotions and just who you are as a human being. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I said that I have never, ever done this. I'm like, this is awesome. I love this. So <laughs> absolutely. I totally agree with you. So Ted, go ahead. You got a question? Yeah, I do. Um, but First, I, I want to make sure I, I heard correctly. Did you say that fat was okay to eat? Fat is your primary source of calories. So I'm actually, my, my macros, okay. I'm consuming 70% of fat, and that's like avocado, um, olive oil, oh. nuts, things like that. Like, in theory, I mean, there is dirty keto you, or lazy keto where you can just sit there and just eat lard but you're not going to actually enjoy the food if all you're doing is eating lard. No. Like, you can add some of it well, into the food that you're eating, but there's so many different ways well, I, of looking at that. There's plenty of good ones. Right, right. I, I, well, see, the reason why I asked that is I wanted to know if that meant that I didn't have to cut the gristle off my steak. That's what I want to know, the fat, oh, girl, the little I fat just, that goes around your steak. Oh, girl, when I, when I get a ribeye, I save that bit for the last. That is my favorite part of a steak. You do not yeah, have to too. cut that off if you don't want to. Oh, my gosh. That's where the flavor I, comes I, from. I love it. Yeah, Cindy, that's, I'm, I'm going on this. This is, this is awesome. Um, so, Christine, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you just a, a couple things. Um, that, that's fantastic. I think it's, you know, and I, I just want to add on, on to your, your last point that you made about really um, sort of seizing this, this particular juncture in our, in our history as an opportunity really to to re-engage and do things that maybe we haven't done for a long time. Cindy, I know you, you know, we talked about this when this, this pandemic first sort of came through that it's allowed you an opportunity to sort of just, you know, take a, a few deep breaths and not be as, as, you know, uh, running around all the time trying to get everything done. Um, but let me ask you, Christina, this question here, you know, obviously you started very young when you played golf, what was the point or where was the point in, in your earlier days that you said to yourself, okay, um, I, I've got game. I know that I can take this to a higher level. Was there a point when it sort of came to realization or did you always know? Um, well, so I came about golf in a very unorthodox way in that my dad had me swing 500 times in the backyard every single day before I found out there was a point to all this. So I was fortunate in that by the time I, I it, there was a ball on the hook on a mat. Like remember those like two by one foot mats yes, that we used to have. Yes. So right. that's all I did. I didn't know what on earth I was doing. And my dad finally took my brother, sister, and I to a golf course or to a range and said, "This is what we're going to do." And so I was able. Where again, I mean, there's like I skipped the keto flu. I skipped the first couple of whiff balls on a driving range that you normally get. And so right. I accelerated pretty quickly. I was about 12 when I had finally got my got my tush to the range and I, um, I I took to it but again I didn't comprehend what I was doing really it was just dad said to do this I'm a good daughter I'm gonna do this and so for me the real love and passion kind of clicked when I was about 14 or 15 years old you know and and it sounds I, I don't know if it sounds bad or whatever but it was about the time that I started breaking par and you know golf you know it was it was it was not that it was less hard but it was just like right. the, the, the gains that you would get were smaller. It's like when you first start lifting, you know, you start, you start at like five-pound dumbbells, and then you can jump all the way up to 10, then to 15, and then to 25. And then, mm -hmm. you know, by the time you get to, you know, something pretty heavy, you're going to have to go in like, you know, smaller increments in terms of the gains that you're going to get. And it's the same thing with the handicapping. And so for me, it was just the, the, that it, the, the switch turned when I was like, wow, okay, so I'm pretty good at this. I can get even better, but it's going to take a hell of a lot more effort to get mm -hmm. a little bit better. And so finding myself that kind of challenge was something that really, really drove me. And so, yeah, it happened when I was about 14 or 15. And then ever since that, that pursuit of, 
trying to find perfection on a golf course, which we all know is impossible, but at the same time, we're all just narcissistic enough where it's like, well, but, you know, there's always that one chance in all of human history where we could, I could be the one. Mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly. And let me ask you to, you know, when you when you look at the the different players that are out on tour over the years, um, and I mean they all looked great, but some were very fashion forward. You've always had a very unique and very interesting style, and that's helped make you stand out uh, in a positive way. Was that something that that has always sort of been natural for you, or you just decided, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of make a statement when I'm out here. If I'm gonna be out here, I want to make sure everybody you know, uh, knows that I'm, I'm here. Was that just something consciously that you, you did, or was that just who you are, that you just like to, you know, dress stylish and have fun when you're out there? Well, if I'm being honest, I could give two blanks less as to what people think of me, and I've always kind of been right. that way. I think the last time I cared what anyone thought of me was when I was 12 years old. Um, since I was 12, I've been called, I've, I dyed my hair every color of the rainbow, had every length haircut. I mean, I've had it, you know, three inches long to all the way down near, uh, you know, past my, past my waistline. I've, you know, I've just personally always loved colors and I've loved passion and I've loved having a passion for colors. So for me, it was always just like, I just wanted to showcase you know, not even showcase. I just wanted to wear what I wanted to wear. And, you know, there were plenty of people like, you right. give me funny looks, and there were plenty of people that said, your style is awesome. And I'm like, oh, regardless of what the opinion is, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do what I want to do and dress how I want to dress and wear what I want to wear. And so that's something that I've always, right. um, just something innate within me. I just, I'm just like, I like that color. I'm going to do that color. Let's do it. Yeah. That's, well, like I, I got to I got to step in yeah, here. I got to step in here because yeah. I, I'm a, I, Alan and I are certified behavior analysts because uh, it's a long story, but we went to a seminar where the woman was talking about how her husband drove her nuts. So I paid attention and ended up buying her book and took the personality assessments and Alan and I are dead opposites. And so I was doing um, a webinar last night for the LPGA women amateurs and I allowed, had each one of them take a personality assessment because I think it is so important that all of us are able to be ourselves. And, Christina, you are my poster child for the high I uh, behavior style. You're a high ID, which is I want to have fun, I want to be me, I'm going to do what I want, and I'm going to win, and I'm competitive, but I really love people, I care about people, and I'm colorful. So I, I am so, I love the fact that you are um, so open to be you and you don't really give a rip. Yep. And so, I, again, she's the high ID, and, and I just absolutely love it. So keep being you. Well, I want to take that personality quiz now. I'll send you a link. <laughs> it's awesome. It. It's freaking awesome. So, again, you know, it, 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 I call it the, give a, the gas meter, the give a you-know-what. So her gas meter is, you know, I'm going to be me, and I don't really give a rip what you think. So that's awesome. Right. That's why I love you. Well, one of the many reasons I love you. So i got to <laughs> ask you, I'm changing the subject. Talk about PXG and well, why do I need them? <laughs> well, Can I hit it further? I, I don't want to die yet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as you know, as far as I can tell you, they are by far the best clubs that I've ever hit. Um, you know, and, and everyone can sit there and be like, oh wow, world. You know, at the time, world number one Lydia Ko is, has switched over to them, and then you can say, oh wow, Billy Horschel at the time was using them. You know, like the reality is, you give players like that a broomstick and a watermelon, they'll be able to make it work. And so right. for me, the turning point was when I noticed that Zach Johnson, who you know, he's not the longest player on tour. Obviously, he's, he's won the Masters. He's a phenomenal golfer and an all-around great human being, but he is a short game king. And the, for me, I was always intrigued by the fact that he had decided to try out and then was able to switch to the PXG um, set of golf clubs, including the wedges. And so back, uh, gosh, Five years ago, I want to say, I contacted the LPJ rep for PXG, and I was like, hey, can I try out your wedges and your fairway wood? Because 
you know, I mean, if someone like Zach Johnson is willing to switch over, and again, you know, I mean, you had Allison Lee, you had Jarena Pillar, you had, you know, all these great players that had switched over, and I was like, this is all great and everything, but if someone that is such a remarkable player with, say, their wedges was willing to switch over from Voki, which he was a devout, tideless guy for, I want to say, decades, and he was willing to switch out of those, there's got to be something special to these clubs. And so I got a set of wedges. John fit me for a set of wedges, John McGannon, and took me three shots, and I was like, I need everything you guys have. What? what really? What, what, yes. Yes. Mm. The, the way that the ball responded, the way that it would stick to the club face when I'm trying to, trying to nip a shot, the way that I would be able to get it to jump a little bit if I needed it to, if I needed to get two or three extra yards, I can take spin off, put spin on. Like, it's, it's, I can, I mean, it's like, I, I feel like a magician around the greens now. And I've, my short game has gotten so much better over the last uh, couple of years, especially since I've, you know, signed on with TXG that I, I am, I am a convert and they are just the best golf clubs in the industry. And they last year came out with a set of blades that, you know, growing up as a kid, I used to always use blades. And then more recently, you know, in the last like 12, 13 years, I was using more of like your traditional cavity back style um, you know, not necessarily like a, you know, uh, shovel per se, but, you know, a more traditional, mm. not traditional, but a more, you know, uh, normal quote unquote golf club. And I was actually feeling like I was losing a sense of my golf swing because growing up, whenever I had blades, like if you did not hit in the center of the face, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be yep. scrambling. And so PXG's done an amazing job of being able to get the two going together. And so I had been able to get PXG's, uh, not me personally, Ryan Moore had started this whole thing about getting blades created. And then I was able to get a set of the blades um, made for me. And then it just kind of heralded me back to where I was as a kid. And, you know, it's like you can, you can miss hit it a little bit and you're not going to lose as much as you would with like, say like, you know, an old school blade like you did in the past, but now the ball's responding the way that I feel like it should, because if I don't give it a perfect swing, I don't deserve to, 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 you know, have it nestle up close. I don't believe in that participation trophy crap. I believe in if you make a mistake, acknowledge said mistake, find out how to fix said mistake, and learn from it. So I feel like this has gotten me to swing even better because, you, I mean, the, al- the alternative isn't, isn't great. You know, I mean, it's, they're still more forgiving than the blades of, of yesteryear, but you learn so much more about your golf swing and the way that you're making contact with the ball with blades. And I think regardless of your handicap, you can actually accelerate your, um, the, the pace in which you can improve on the way you strike the ball and play the ball with blades than with anything else. And so those 0311 awesome. FC blades, they are, they, are, they are a godsend. Awesome, awesome. All right, last wow. question before we let you go back to practicing your putting. What do you love the most about the game of golf? Oof, I don't know if we have a long enough segment for this. No. <laughs> um, you know, to be honest, I mean, the, I think the best thing about golf is the fact that it is such a remarkable parallel to life. You can do everything right in life where you can drive it down the middle. You can hit a good iron shot, hit it close, utilize the, the slopes of the green, bring it up to about five, five, six feet, four feet, whatever, and then hit a perfect putt and whether you get a gust of wind, whether you get one blade of grass that decides to turn around and, and grow in the opposite direction that you didn't see, whatever it is, you can still have the ball bump out of the hole. And so you can still try your best and still not get the absolute perfect outcome, along with the fact of, yeah, you can, miss, you can skank it around and you can still walk away with par. Um, and on top of that, you know, this is, for me, it's the last bastion of a sport that truly embodies integrity self-policing, honesty, because if you have that, that C-H-E-A-T-E word associated anywhere around your name, you, you cannot li- you, you, your reputation is marred forever. And I think that that is something that is so important to society these days, especially with kids growing up now, because, you know, truth be told, there are times when, you know, kids are like, oh, I have a problem, mommy and daddy will fix it as opposed to saying, okay, i got to pull up my bootstrap, i got to woman up, and i got to figure out what on earth I can do from here to 
rectify this situation or to recover from this mistake. And I don't know of anything on earth that embodies that better than golf. Amen. Yeah, that, that's a great way to end um, this segment. Um, you, you're definitely uh, speaking words of wisdom, Christina. Thank you very much for joining Cindy and I this morning on the Women of Golf. We really appreciate it. And once um, the veil, as, as we say, has been lifted with this pandemic and you, you um, are back out playing, and that I hope you'll come back a little bit later on the season and join us again here on the show. We'd love to have you. Oh, I would be I would be honored if you guys would have me again. And I'm sorry that I took up 98% of this whole segment just talking. <laughs> that's that's no, why we, we that. wanted you on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the next you time you're on, we're going to talk about how we help these kids not cheat so much. Uh, I love you, darling. Thank you. Never said that. Thank you, guys. You guys take care. All, All right. right. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. That was our. That was perfect. You know. That's what we want. You know, you want a guest that that's able to, you know, um, get out there and 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 speak the truth and and really talk about um, what's important to her. You know, it's not just all about technique and and you know practicing on the range. It's just about life as well. And she she hit it right on the head. Um, you know, Cindy, when she said that golf is really does mimic life in so many ways. And we've said that many times on the show. All right, uh, we've got our, our next guest, um, and we're excited to have her on as well, Tiffany uh, Fawcett. Uh, she's a top 50 LPJ teacher and inventor of the Impact Improver. Uh, let me just uh, read a little bit about her, Cindy, and we'll bring her on uh, for the second half of the show. Tiffany uh, began playing golf at age 17 and immediately fell in love with the game. Uh, after a year of high school golf, she walked on the golf team at Florida State University, uh, where she became team captain uh, her last two years. In 1997, she was ranked the number one amateur in the Titleist Golf Week rankings, and after that impressive amateur career, she played professionally worldwide for 11 years. Uh, during that time, she uh, also teed up in a couple of majors, including the 2006 U.S. Women's Open. Um, and we'll, we'll talk to her more about some of the other things, um, but uh, Cindy, let's welcome... Uh, our very special guest this morning, uh, Tiffany Fawcett. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? Great, Cindy. Thanks for having me on. Hi, Ted. Hi, how are you, so Tiffany? Glad Thank you here. for joining us. Yeah, Thank go you. ahead, Cindy. You can start. All right, so what have you been doing? Everything. Everybody else has been bored, and I have not been bored. It seems like my life has ramped up threefold. Um, so our, we are lucky here in the fact that our golf course didn't close down to COVID. Um, and all, we're near Maryland, and all of Maryland did. So our golf course is just completely packed. So between really? that and the product and thinking of other ideas and house projects and Working out, like, um, I've been pretty busy. It's It's been a hard adjustment not being me because I'm a, you know, a gregarious person. I like to give people hugs when they arrive. I'm a hands-on teacher. So learning how to stay away from people, the, the most awkward thing is greeting new people. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I've been okay with most of the boredom. Awesome. Awesome. Ted, go ahead. Yeah, it's. I think that's one thing that we're we're all going to have to make some adjustments, uh, at least for um, whether it's permanent or whether it's just in in the short term. But um, yeah, I think it's hard if you're if you're somebody that's used to, you know, um, being more affectionate, let's say, and and uh, connecting that way. It, it is going to be a little bit different for some people. Um, what's great to hear, Tiffany, is that you've obviously. Um, been very fortunate obviously as you said your course is, is still been open um, but you've also it sounds like you've you've sort of taken this opportunity to get out there and do other things and and uh, you know expand things that you're currently doing um, but there's a lot of folks out there because of this they're obviously um, you know been kind of bored and whatnot um, tell us some things that they can do if they are stuck at home and if they're not able to get out, maybe their course hasn't reopened yet or, or hasn't been, what are some things that they can do inside to be practicing to get ready for when that day does happen? 
Yeah, I've always been a huge proponent of indoor practice. Um, you'll do things in your living room that you won't do on the driving range. And that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I invented my product, the Impact Improver. It easily allows someone to practice indoors. And the beauty of practicing indoors is you've got to do it two ways. When you practice without a ball, there's no ball flight, right? So you can get more in tune with your body and the movements of the club. But after a while, that'll get a little boring for people and they want a projectile. So you can't hit golf balls into your wall. That causes problems, right? So the <laughs> the ball of my product is, is super soft. So that happened to me actually one night and that was the catalyst for me inventing this product. I was getting ready for a clinic and I wanted to demonstrate and sometimes I do goofy things and I was messing around and I, I wanted to see what happened. I was dying to hit this golf ball, but it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, if I hit this ball, golf ball, it's going to go through my wall. And the next thought was, is it worth it? Like, I might just do it anyways. And then I was like, that's so retarded. And I looked down and I was like, if only this ball would stick on the face. And I was like, oh, my God, it should stick on the face. And then people could practice when they get rained out or they can't get to the golf course. And so Mm -hmm. that's what I really think people should be doing right now is still swinging with their golf clubs but using mirrors. So I don't think, like, I've seen a lot of online stuff right now and people are like, hey, take everything in your garage and move it around and mimic it and set up this ginormous practice station. Most people aren't going to do that because they don't want to set it up. They don't want to take it down. They don't have the room in their house. But they still need to swing. Mm -hmm. And so once you realize the golf club is a weight and the more you swing it, it's kind of a workout, And you get experimental. If you swing one-handed, you swing on one foot, you start to realize the dynamics of balance of your body with the golf club. So then I think things can be more fun with golf inside. And the other thing to just break up boredom is to do more things, right? So if at the beginning of the day you categorize like five or six different areas, golf, exercise, cooking, entertainment, whatever. And you're just like, I'm going to achieve three things today. I'm going to call two friends or whatever. And what I've been doing is I've been putting myself on blocks of time at an hour, an hour and a half. All right. I'm going to take care of my business stuff for an hour and a half. I'm going to teach for two hours. Then I'm going to go do whatever, because I have, even though we're open, I've limited the number of people that I'm teaching just because no one knows what's happening and I feel like if I'm right. teaching my normal nine people a day right now, that's a little scary. Yeah, and it's, you know, as I said uh, a few moments ago, it, it's been a big adjustment for a lot of people. There's a lot of uncertainty, and, and you know, we're seeing all, all kinds of things, you know, happening and changing even within our industry. You're seeing more and more people doing online programs. Uh, some had already had some programs, and Cindy, you know, you talked about earlier, but you and Alan sort of uh, launching a new um, uh, you know, product as community. well, if you will. Uh, community, sorry. And, um, you know, this is this is kind of, uh, I think, a direction we're going to see more and more of. Um, what are some things that you've discovered over your career, Tiffany, um, to, to involve and get kids more involved? We want to obviously focus on the next generations coming up to get them interested in golf. And unlike many other sports, they don't get exposed to it unless their parents or, or family members golf. So what do you do to, to really kind of get them um, interested in golf and obviously, um, you know, doing things indoor uh, at the moment? Right. Well, this is where I just, at the end of the day, when you play golf, it's you, your golf club and a ball. Right. And so I boiled down my product that easily. It's a shield that fits right on top of the club face and you hit it a a small red Velcro ball and it hits the face. So there's a, there was a big push in the golf industry for a long time to get kids into golf with snag, snag golf. And most everybody watching Uh this program knows what snag golf is. And I think snag is great, but I think it has a couple limitations to start golf and I wanted to enhance snag. So when you have snag golf clubs, all the, there's four different types of clubs, so you don't have the proper lie angle for all the kids that want to start golf. Also, they're hitting big tennis balls. So right. the ball that I have is the size of a golf ball, but it's super lightweight. So if a child starts hitting at real golf balls, it's like hitting rocks for some of them. If they're four, five, six years old, it's too heavy, and that's why they tend to hang on their back foot and don't move through it. So with the lightweight balls, you can go through it, but the beauty of it is the same shield that fits an adult club 
fits a kid's glove because when I was making the product, I thought I was going to have to make two different versions. But a golf ball is the same size if it's a child or an adult playing. The golf balls are the same size. Right. So the same shield fits. So kids tend to like to do what mom and dad are doing. But sometimes they don't want to leave mm-hmm. their computer or go all the way to the golf course. But now if they see mom and dad downstairs hitting or swinging at golf balls, now they want to try. But now they've got something lightweight enough where it's effective for them. And then you can teach them a little hand-eye coordination. You can juggle. You can do whatever. So if you kind of like, okay, let's juggle this one. Let's play this one. So you don't make it like golf. You make it more like movement. And you learn to do it like Mm -hmm. a game. And so these balls will work with any Velcro target, just like with Snag. So I think just being creative and learning to work with the child, like where their attention's going, and seeing how they're using it and kind of just letting them explore. And so once they've gotten used to being around golf a little bit, it helps. And I just also think it's helpful to teach a child at home, okay, well, if someone's swinging, you stand here, you stand there. If you take a child to the golf course for the very first time and you haven't told them anything, it's pretty stressful for a parent because they're just trying to make sure the kid doesn't get hurt. But if they can cover those bases at home and have kind of gone through some of the X's and O's, by the time they get to the golf course, it's a much better experience for the child. Yeah, I think you have to, uh, you know, first and foremost, you have to make it fun. And you're exactly right. I think kids, when they see their parents engaged in, in, you know, an activity like that, they want to participate and they want to have fun. And, you know, it's something that, you know, anybody can, can sort of gravitate to. And, and as I was mentioning earlier, you know, golf, unfortunately, is one of the sports um, that we don't see in sort of our mainstream school system. So, you know, they're exposed to football and baseball and some of the other sports. And it isn't until a little bit later that we, they start to see golf. So I think this is great, uh, especially now that people are, you know, kind of in some cases stuck indoors to have something that they can do and, and they don't have to necessarily go to the golf course. I think it's a great idea. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I'm putting it back to you. So tell our listeners how they can get this wonderful product. <laughs> You're so sweet, Cindy. Um, if you just go to impactimprover.com, so it's impact and then the word improve with an R at the end. Um, got it online. We have some on sale right now just for COVID. I just want people to have fun and be able to move with their golf clubs. And the other amazing thing is I've heard people say, you know, my tempo's gotten a lot better because again, when you're in your living room, you can't see how far it flies, right? So you're not going to swing so fast that you're swinging off balance. So there's a lot of weird intuitive things and feedback that people discover on their own when you actually take them out of the element of standing on the range and being next to their buddy and, hey, I want to hit it five yards past them or I just don't care. Well, now they're just in their own element. Like, oh, I see that. and Oh, I watched that online. And, oh, now I see how this works with that. And so, like, I was talking to Bobby Clampett the other day, and he was like, I think this is great because he's very much on the ball-bound factor where a lot of people are like, hey, I'm great on the range, but then I'm I'm over the ball on the golf course and I just freeze and I just do things. And so this is another way of just getting practicing your pre-shot and, you know, doing a target, bringing your head back and immediately pulling the trigger. But most of the time people, when they practice at home, they have no target. So if you're at home and you have nothing to hit, most people stand up through impact. So they're teaching themselves to hit it thin. So they've done all this wonderful practice in their house, but they've taught themselves to stand up through impact. So, you know, that's why it's the beauty of having a target. Now, some people are are blessed enough to have a whole setup at their house to hit real golf balls. And I'm a real golfer. So I'm going to say nothing ever beats hitting a real golf ball. But if you don't, this is a good alternative. And it's also better players do different things. I can't tell you how many times, I'm sure Christina Kim, who was on earlier, who was fantastic, would have backed Mm -hmm. this up. How much swinging good players do in their hotel rooms? Because they're just bored, right? And we're trying to do stuff and you're half shipping because you don't want to break anything in the room and everything else like that. Where if you had something that you could go at full throttle or those days that you get rained out and you're sitting there and you've been sitting for three hours and now they say, hey, go back on the golf course. If you had something you could throw down in the, in the clubhouse and swing five or six times, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, I, so I agree. I don't know if I completely answered your question, Cindy. I kind of got off there on a riff, but you know how 
Christina was talking about golf and life. I just think golf, you can do anything you want, right? It, it affects everything and people can enjoy it how they want. So people just need better tools and easier tools to practice with. Totally agree. I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, tell us about your book. My book's called Fighting Golf, um, Flow with Force and Fly. And I'm a firm believer that any place in your golf swing, you need to be in a position to fight. Fight's a primal thing. Like, if you don't want to have to, but if you needed to, you'd figure it out, right? So I believe any place in your golf swing, you're either balanced and leveraged or you're not. And so I take people through a series of drills and a journey of if they've never played golf before, how you grip it, how you set up to it, and the basic movements throughout the golf swing and how they relate to other movements that you do in everyday life. Um, so I, um, I wrote it a couple of years ago, and the feedback on it's been really good because I don't get super technical, although there's a lot of really good nuggets in there for someone that's never played or from someone that, you know, has played a lot of golf. They're like, oh, I never really thought about it in that particular manner. So I, in hindsight, I wish maybe I would have called it something else other than fighting golf because sometimes people think I'm anti-golf, but I am such a proponent of golf and how you were asking earlier, how do we get people into golf? I was trying to do something from a different perspective to make them pick up the book. Got it. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that we have to sometimes do things a little bit differently than maybe what we have done over the years. And I think what you're doing, and by the way, I, while I was listening to you, I, I went on and ordered uh, the Impact Improver. I, I love this thing. I've, I've been looking for something inside. I've had clubs that, you know, you swing inside, but it's, like you say, it kind of gets boring. So um, I just went on and ordered one. So hopefully it'll get here in the, the next little bit, and I will, uh, I will definitely try. Well, thank the, you very uh, much. That's very so, kind. I um, just wanted to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, I, I love, you know, I'm, I'm a shopper. Believe it or not, I like to shop uh, for, for good deals and good things. And um, I just uh, was listening to you when, you when you were explaining about it. And I thought, you know, because I've used, you know, and Cindy, I'm sure you've done this too. But, you know, you, you practice with a lot of the foam balls and you do different things. And, you know, some people have, you know, the ability to have like an indoor net or something. But um, I, I like it because it's very compact. And if I'm traveling, I can take it with me. And, you know, in the hotel room, I can do things there as well. So I really liked it. So anyways, I just want to mention that. Um, so what are some other things that you like to do as a teaching professional um, to really engage your students? What are some things that you like to do to, to, to really get them fired up and, and interested? Because, you know, obviously golf is a challenging game, as we all know, and can be difficult. Um, and, and sometimes you, you get a little bummed out as a player when things aren't going mm -hmm. well. So when, when you're dealing with a student like that, what do you do to sort of shift the focus and say, okay, hey, you know, maybe you're not hitting them as crisp as you'd like to right now, but here's some things that we can do that'll sort of re rejuvenate, uh, you know, your enthusiasm, if you will. Well, part of being a golf professional is knowing how to talk people off the ledge. Um, you right. know, there's just a huge amount of... <laughs> There's just a huge amount of difference, and Cindy knows that's true in golf because and that's why Cindy's so laughing. <laughs> and so, uh, but people also respond to honesty and to truth, right? Yeah. So when I come through, I really just hear them out, and then I talk to them and I ask them, "Well, what do you know?" And so they don't realize that there's some blind spots or they didn't adjust to something. So it's really the ability to let them talk it out. And then you can show them the path, but you have to let them get it out. It's like, it's almost like a sickness, right? It's golf depression. It has to come out. And so if you just tell them, oh, don't even disregard it. Or if you don't address it, you're like, oh, just do this. Like, no good. You have to let them get it off their chest. And then as they're talking, the problem's usually there. Like, I can't tell you how many times, like, people just don't realize when you play, when you hit balls on the range, the range is flat. <laughs> When you go to play golf course, mm -hmm. the, 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 the lies change. Well, they forget to change their ball position. You know, they'll tell me about this horrible shot they had, and then I'll be like, tell me about your lie. And they'll tell me, and then, you know, oh, I topped your way. And we're like, 
did you change your ball position for the shot? And they're like, oh, no. And I'm like, well, hello. You know, sometimes things are really, really easy. And then other times they go much deeper. But the student will always tell you the problem. So once they tell and you give them some answers or a direction, and if it makes sense. So I always tell them, like, hey, if it doesn't pass your logic test, don't do it. If I'm suggesting something, it makes absolutely zero sense to you. Well, don't do it. But that that is rarely the case. And they're like, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way, or that makes sense to me. As soon as the student says that makes sense, their anxiety melts away. And they then they feel like they're working in the right direction. So golfers are okay if they have hope. You know, if they feel like they have hope, they start hitting some better shots. And even if they don't, if they can see it on the film and they understand why, they'll work towards it. I mean, golfers are great. Golfers are workers, and that's that's why I love golfers. They can They can actually – take a punch to the gut and come back. You know, they're, they're, they're tough, resilient people. And that's why I love them. I couldn't agree more. And I love that talking off the ledge uh, analogy. I think, I think that's so true. I might have to start using that. Um, uh, Cindy, go ahead. Any, any, any final questions or. No, I'm good. I'm grateful that we were able to connect with you and you were able to join us. Well, it's my honor, and I have to say, for all the listeners out there, if you haven't ever met Cindy Miller, she is one of the greatest people on the planet. We used to play together on the Futures Tour some. I always loved my time playing with her. She's a great woman. She's a great ambassador for the game of golf, and I'm just lucky to have her as a friend. Wow. Really? Wow, yeah. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Can you, Surprise! Can you have... <laughs> Tiffany, if you wouldn't mind saying those exact yeah. words again, I'm going to hit the record button here, and we're going to save that <laughs> so that we can play it back once once in a while on the show, if you don't mind. I think, Cindy, we can use that I as tried. a as a an audio clip. <laughs> there you go. What the heck? Go for it, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, honey bun. Well, you're my very well, welcome. Big virtual hugs because that's what we have to do now. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. Just one one quick uh, point to all the listeners out there. If you want to uh, get Tiffany's product, go to impactimprover.com, uh, as I did just a few moments ago, and get it. It's a great deal, and I'm looking forward to to getting mine uh, in the next uh, you know little bit and and practicing. So go to impactimprover.com. Thank you very much, Tiffany, uh, for joining Sydney and I this morning on the Women of Golf, and you're welcome back anytime. Appreciate it. Thanks to both you guys and um, to all your listeners. Stay safe and great golf. Thanks, honey Perfect. bun. Thank Have you, a great Tiffany. day. You too. Right, bye bye. Wow, what a great show this morning. We had two two wonderful guests on, uh, both uh, uh, expressing themselves very well as as uh, expected, but um, just a, a great uh, a great group of guests this morning. Um, we got a split. Because we got stuff to do, even though we're we're hunkering down inside. Cindy, I know you got stuff to do, as do I. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in this morning. Again, uh, a special thank you to Christina Kim and Tiffany Fawcett for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. And we will be back next week, both Cindy and I, uh, with uh, another great show. So we'll hope you tune in. Um, God bless everybody. Stay safe, and uh, just remember to uh, always uh, be kind to one another. Thank you, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Have a great day. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.